Welcome to the Two Dice Lads podcast, episode one, the first official episode of starting off the new series. Uh, we just want to take a moment to thank everyone who listened to episode zero, especially those who uh, blasted it on their socials for us. That was so much, uh, there was so much love and support there, and uh, we really appreciate it. We love you. <laughs> In the beginning of the podcast, we want to get it out of the way and just say that we are now available on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. You can find us on Instagram at Two Dice Lads with the number two. You should be able to find it on all of those platforms. So please, if you want to listen on something other than Spotify, feel free. For today's episode, uh, well, actually, what am I doing? I'm skipping right over the introduction of us. Uh, my name is Stash um, with my long-term friend, Carol. Say hi, Carol. Hi, friends. I'm Carol with a K, the co-host with a K. <laughs> yeah, the, my bad. I just complete. I'm already. You know what it is? I'm already thinking we're established. People know who we are. It's not a big deal, you know. <laughs> um, no, but yeah. Once again, just thank you for the support. Uh, I think we would have been happy with about ten listens, and we got about five times that. So, thank you. For today's episode, though, we want to talk about expectations. A lot of sort of priming to get ready to play Dungeons and Dragons or any sort of tabletop RPG has to do with what to expect from both point of views. Uh, we have, you know, the point of view from the player and then the point of view of the DM. And as people who have done both, we want to talk about, you know, what do those differing views look like? So let's start from the perspective of a player, because I feel like a lot of people may not had the had the uh, chance to actually DM yet. So we wanted to talk about, you know, what what does it look like as you start to get ready and and bring certain things to your DM that you want to see in the session, and talk about what will make it fun. How do you want to start it, etc. So Carol, please, if you wouldn't mind, what do you expect from a campaign when you are leading up to it as someone who knows the game and someone who's who's looking forward to actually rolling a character as opposed to rolling everything else in the entire game what do you expect when you're starting out first and foremost i want to feel that my dm cares for the decisions that i will be making and that starts very early on where especially as a potentially newish player, somebody that's only played one adventure, two adventures, maybe a half a campaign or something like that. Communication between the player and the DM at the very start, where my DM is asking me actively, hey, I noticed that you're thinking about this character. I have this idea for this type of setting that I'm thinking about. How do you feel about potentially having your character lean more towards this theme or this these powers or this subclass uh i think a really good sign is when i'm giving full autonomy as the player i can choose whatever class subclass i want and the dm will take that and work with it rather than from the start be like okay you can't play this you can't play this you can't play this and you can't play this and suddenly it's like okay so can i play a barbarian yes but actually under these criteria and these things so no you cannot bring your plus seven warhammer to the campaign <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not granted i'm not that type of player you know i i wanna <laughs> i wanna make the the dm's life hell but respectably i want to have fun while doing it i want the dm to have fun as well 
Uh, but anything that lets me feel like my character is appreciated and my creativity is being also asked for at the table. Because last episode, we did chat about how being at the table with your friends is a giant session of storytelling. Each session is a storytelling session. And it's not just a DM doing it. It's also the players. So I wanted to, I, as the player, want to be able to tell the story and feel like I have the space to do so. That's true. Yeah, I think what a lot of people may not realize and what what is what, you know, there's a bunch of different takes out there, like what makes the best sort of setting for a campaign. And I, I don't mean physical setting. I mean, you know, what makes before the campaign even starts, what makes it good? And I think that like everything else in life, the communication just really has to be there. The last thing you want to do if you've never run a session before, you've never been a part of one is go in blindly with this character that you've just created and be like, hey, uh, I here is my rogue, um, edgelord rogue who hates everybody. <laughs> and like if you're if you're dropping that on your DM, that's very difficult. And then it's going to take a little while for the story to get around to ever being about you. Right. Because I think that's that's important for campaigns. Like, yes, there is an overarching mission, but any good campaign has smaller missions that has to do with the characters. So I think if you're looking for that, you you should you would find it in your best interest to talk to your DM. And it goes both ways, like you said. Um, yeah, but I like your point of like, you know, bringing asking for players to be creative can be incredibly challenging because sometimes people struggle, you know, and, and that's not a knock at anybody in particular. It's just sometimes people struggle coming up with stuff even though we absorb so much content and we see things and, and it feels e easy to borrow, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to come up with things that are just genuinely creative and original and they don't always have to be right. An important part in that is that, you know, you also don't want to be the person or you don't want to go into a game expecting that you're going to be the center of attention as well. Right. So what do you mean? I am. Well, why do you think we're doing this? <laughs> and that's that's why I no longer play Dungeons and Dragons with Stash anymore. That's actually uh, he he doesn't know this anymore, but <laughs> there it is. You have to, as the player, you also have to accept the fact that there are other players around you at the table, and you're not always going to be the main focus of the story. But you never want to feel like you're just completely on the sidelines twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where for people who have played before they usually have an understanding of the balance that it takes to be on the sidelines because i think when like i had mentioned in the previous episode when you watch professional dungeons and dragons like dimension 20 nadpod those people are professionals they are paid to create a story together yeah. they know how to sit back and be quiet when the dm is delivering like a key piece of information i think as a player you have to understand that that's going to happen sometimes and most importantly and this is it. This is a caveat for anybody who starts playing. Be respectful. Like when it is the story is not about you. Don't don't look at your phone. Don't yawn. Don't like take away from the moment because sometimes there's very serious, heavy you know moments that happen to other characters, especially when you get further into a campaign. And if you're there, like uh, you know, yawn. It's like brother, what the fuck? You know, like <laughs> I'm trying to deliver a message here. <laughs> I think personally for me it's always the when you're when, when as the DM you're the one that's trying to give a very important serious tone for a session and out of nowhere it's like my character makes a fart joke and you're oh, like god 
Oh come God! On. Please, come please on. know when like jokes are good. You know, like the, the nothing is more satisfying when when your players are invested in your story, and when that shit happens, you're like, oh, okay, well, haha, lol, that was funny, but now like this. You, by the way, the devil himself is on the way. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, so that that's good to know. I think I would agree with you. I think that we, as a player, I also want creative license. Yes, that's a good that's a good phrase. Yeah. When you so so speaking of how about mechanically? Are you mm-hmm. do you prefer combat? Do you prefer role playing? You like a little bit of, of both? Yeah. I want a mix. I I I do I really want a mix. I don't want pointless combat as a player. I want most of my combats to have a story-driven purpose in a sense. Sure, there's probably going to be random stuff that happens because we as a party make horrible decisions and end up fighting the entire tavern of 20 thugs (laughs) because I pushed somebody off a chair by accident. But I want everything to feel cohesive to a certain extent. Um, I want to know that there are stakes in a combat involved and that I'm not just slashing and hashing away at random fantasy creatures because that's what we do in Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know. I like a story. I want story first and then everything else. And I sometimes feel like some tables are, it's just there like, this is a little tabletop puzzle. Figure out how to do this combat. And that's just not, that's, that's not my cup of tea. Right, right. I think it has to do with, um, like you said, the cohesiveness of the battle and why you're in it. Sometimes, maybe if there's like a lull in the story or, or you yourself are having like the equivalent of writer's block as a DM and you, you're like, I, I don't know what needs to happen next. I'm not really, I know the end goal, but I don't know how they're going to get there. Like I did this uh, for my guys. They were in a city and I was like, well, they haven't really made any progress to like leaving the city per se and and i don't want to spoon feed them what they should or what i think they should do next so i just created an underground arena and i was like you know what you guys find the arena and uh there's some pretty good rewards if you're into that and want to fight and of course it backfired on me incredibly when they were like can we just go back to the arena and like keep fighting (laughs) and i was like uh no you see it takes time to set up the janitor's got to come in and like sweep it's like a whole thing it, it's like pay-per-view you know it's only like a, so uh, basically i had to had to but hopefully it'll come up again um but sometimes i think meaningless combat can be useful when you are just stuck um, sure. but obviously make it like fun you know maybe add in a funny mechanic add in oh yeah something that they need to a puzzle that uh, uh, you know for third graders that it takes like a bunch of adults three hours to figure out and mostly those puzzles never actually have solutions and you just kind of wait till the players do something cool and you're like, oh yeah, 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 that's the solution. Yeah, you're like, you guys, you're smart. I like the way you figured that out as you're like making notes behind the screen. <laughs> do you, um, as a player, like when a DM confronts you and says, hey, I want you to play my campaign, I guess kind of how I did a couple months ago, do you expect to have a fully flushed out world? Like, do you expect information? Do you expect lore? Or do you want to know stuff about the world? Or are you more the type of player that just says, this is my character. 
I'm embedded in this world this way in my own little bubble. And as we progress the story, I'm going to learn about the world. I think I, pref- I I like a mix. You know, that's a cop out answer. But what I like yeah. is I like to have I like to have a, a fleshed out character. But the more I know about the world that I'm participating in, the more I will actively try to make my character a part of that world. For example, Elisaren, as the druid in your world, you know, we're not dealing with the Fey Wild as of right now. But I wanted to be from the Fey Wild, and I know that that exists, you know, in Faerun and in, in the Nine Realms. So I had that choice to be like, okay, I'm from here, but we don't have to like dance around that or be around that until much later and then i think what helps is if you're the player and the more you know about the story that you'll be cooperating in then there is the potential for your backstory to come up later right on the off chance we go to the fey wild you know maybe there's people i know there maybe there's maybe it's hard to return home with you know the things that have happened to me thus far and i so i think the answer to to your question is I like to have more information about the story. Do I need, you know, every city's main export and the logistics of travel? No. Because as as somebody who has prepared a campaign, I'm I'm either making it up or it doesn't exist, you know? Like people yep. are like, oh, this dwarven city, like what are they known for? Dwarf stuff, you know, mountains <laughs> and shit. Like <laughs> um, What's the name of this road that we've been traveling 3 days on? Oh, um uh, old town road <laughs> yeah. Yeah, weirdly <laughs> enough your characters don't know this and subtext <laughs> neither do i you know um i commend game masters who have like literally every detail fleshed out i, I yeah. physically don't know how they do it because what also would kind of burn not burn me up but would feel a little defeating is to have all of those details and sometimes players just don't come across them right you build a secret little encounter inside of another encounter and your players, you're like, oh, the cursed door over there looks kind of interesting. They're like, yeah, that's crazy. And then they just keep going. Yeah. Like, on, yeah, and then yeah. you're like, all right, well, there goes the the mimic chest that I wanted to throw into this <laughs> campaign. So I, I, I feel like somebody had said it before, probably like Brennan Lee Mulligan said, like, prepare with what you're com- enough to what you're comfortable with. Mm. And in my case, I like to be comfortably prepared for that specific session. Yeah. In terms of like, you know, down the road and what I'm looking for. We'll 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 cross that bridge or we'll burn the bridge when we get there. Either way, however you want to look at it. Yeah, yeah. There's the improv part of D&D that I think doesn't get talked about enough where really the dungeon master, the game master is really just improving the entire time to a certain extent. You characters make your players make choices and then it's just like uh okay i wanted to go do this but now i'm going to actually throw this creature in this event into the mix and see what happens yeah that's why the computer is the dm's best friend when you're like filtering the monsters and you're like (laughs) what monster would show up in an urban area and be a challenge rating of one and you're like Mm. yeah you definitely walked out of the door and see a scroll 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 a harpy is just in the, you know. Um, but I, yeah, I, I I would agree with you on what you've said thus far. Um, so similarly to you, the the starting place uh, that we kind of wanted to talk about in this episode. Do you do you like a classic take? Do you prefer like you meet in a tavern, or are you 
do you want to see your your heroes come together in a different fashion? I am biased against this because I've started doing things as a game master that I just really like and it makes sense to me and it speaks to what I want as a player. So I personally, and feel free to drag me in the comments. We dragged Stash in the comments on episode zero, so feel free to drag me this time. I hate the typical, and you all meet each other in a tavern and go. I hate that. I hate it. It's a lot. Yeah, a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons modules start off that way. It's like you all have been assigned on a quest by blank, blank, blank from blank city. And now you're here. It's like, okay, well, so do we know each other? Do we not know each other? Do we hate each other? What's what's the relationship there? And sure, it works. It's a nice cop out for one shots i think i think for one shots it works well because you're not going to stick with those characters probably and you're only there for a couple hours maybe two sessions but for an adventure i don't want to be told hey you just know each other because that gets rid of all the fun fantasy adventure elements that you would see in a standard type of story like that i want to build a relationship with my players throughout the adventure if it's weird and we hate each other at the start, but then we grow to like each other as friends and the companionship builds, that's great. But I want the, I want the DM to give me the chance to do that and make it kind of natural as, as natural as it can be, you know, it's going to have to be forced because you have to force these characters into the same place somehow, but take their backstories and do something with it. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think the tavern is, is, been used a million times over and there's enough material out there that you can figure out a way to uh make them meet naturally i'm a big fan of of one focusing on one person Mm -hmm. like in the beginning and then bringing in the other characters you know in a public setting that's exactly what i did you know it focused on our uh cleric he was walking through the festival, found his other two companions, fight broke out. They had to work together. Felt yeah. very easy, felt trans. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, okay, so you guys sit at one booth and you sit at the other. And the bar maiden comes over and says, that guy sent you a drink. Cause like, no, <laughs> no, they didn't. That wouldn't happen. You know, <laughs> I think um, speaking to that though, where, where the bias comes in as I, I would agree with you, but I think it also goes back to our last point where, you know, when you're creating a character and you're having those discussions with your DM and your DM says, we're going to start at level three, you know, so that the classes feel different, but you are not Ulrich the dragon slayer yet. Yeah. You're level three, you know, like yeah. you're, you're level three. And, and, and I sort of, for new players, especially like, yeah, it's great that you have a convoluted backstory and that you've been through trauma and all this stuff, but it, it's going to take away if you are demon slayer, of the of and dragon lord but you can only cast eldritch blast you know like it it just doesn't make sense so i think that goes back to like if you know enough about the history like eventually you can work towards those things and if you decide to do campaign two with the continued characters well then you're your perfect gift of well they know you now you're you're the titan slayer whatever it is so i think that is important too 
that gets back at that idea of like the initial communication between player and DM is so crucial because even though I want to be creative as a player, I want to push the line of maybe I'm not a dragon slayer. Maybe I'm a goblin slayer, you know, something that more level three esque. But if the if at the very front, the game master just tells me. No. Like that's that doesn't fit kind of where I see the story starting. It doesn't fit what level three means in this world. Then that's okay. Then that either tells me, hey, this is not the table for me. Or, oh, okay, there are boundaries at this table that I'm going to have to get used to, but it still fits my play style. You want to obviously have creative license, and I had a point that just escaped my mind, but I I think that it, it... you should have those discussions with your DM. And, and if you are new, then have those discussions with your DM and say, I would like these things to happen. And mm-hmm. setting expectations as, which we'll get into in a moment, as a DM is, like you said, level three is not like level 100 in another world. It's it's kind of like, you know, ultimately kind of the same. And you should know if you're going to start getting into DMing or playing and, and and you're listening to this, that the game changes pretty drastically as your characters level up. It's not sort of linear. It's very exponential. The difference between a level five character and a level three cra- character is, is pretty, is a pretty big jump. Yeah. And, you know, you cast Fireball and it does like 8d6 damage. That's way more than your 1d10 spell that like you just had (laughs) at level three you know um so i think you you have to have that discussion with your players and with your dm be like what does this world look like that we are about to act in and does it make sense for my character to be level three and have like a title or things like that so again it's just all that communication that you have with your dm and that's where and we haven't decided whether we'll have an, a full episode on this or we'll just keep talking about it in this episode. But that's where like the, the whole session zero thing is like super important. And I didn't realize that both as a player and as a DM until probably a year ago when I actually just at one point said, you know what, eh, let's do a session zero. Let's just see what it is. And for those unaware or that have never had a session zero, it's literally what Stash and I are talking about right now. It's a place for everybody to gather around the table, whether virtual or in person, and you just hash out expectations. The DM presents snippets of the world. People may introduce their characters. People may run ideas by their char- by the DM about their characters. And you just kind of get a flavor for what type of story everybody at the table wants to tell. And I mean, I've heard stories where people go to session zeros and then they decide they don't want to be at that table. Not because it's like, oh, these people suck and this is going to be horrible. It's just that's not the story they want to tell. Some people really want a combat focused, dark Solian kind of very grungy combat uh, focused story, while others maybe want more of that role play fantasy animal crossing type of thing. You know, <laughs> I don't know if that's a comparison, but there you go. Dark Souls and Animal I Crossing. Exactly, I worlds. know exactly what you meant. I know exactly <laughs> what you meant. But that does bring us to the to the other side of things, I think. As a DM, 
when you sit down and you say, I want to have a campaign with friends. I want to run a campaign. What do you expect from yourself? What do you expect from the players that you want around your table when starting a campaign, Stash? Uh, first and foremost, regardless player DM, D&D is all about improvisation, improvisation and flexibility. So I think... Mm-hmm. You as the DM are are totally allowed to come with this preset world, but if your character throws something out there or your player throws something out there that they want to see included, feel free to include that. You know, it doesn't have to be 100% what they ask. But I think for me personally as a DM, it's important that my players know that the world is their oyster. Like, yes, it's an oyster I've created and there are certain limitations inside of it, but the the worst thing you could do is ask if you can try to do something. More often than not, I think most DMs would agree, we want to award creativity. That's what inspiration points are literally built in the game for. When yes. you come up with a cool idea and you're like, well, I, I think I would actually like to try that. And your DM goes, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it, that could work. You know, like, um, or, or, or following the rule of cool. Like, yeah, the spell doesn't necessarily say that. Like, no, you can't choke somebody to death with mage hand because it's not strong enough for example but like if you want to go for it you know what yeah. i mean and i think if i focus hard enough of, yeah yeah if you take a 10 minute ritual cast yeah absolutely <laughs> um but i think yeah it's just i i i am going to bring the world to my characters i'm gonna say here's here's the backstory here's what happened mm-hmm. before um, you know, a, a hundred years war just took place or a dragon like Stormwreck Isles, uh, a dragon was slain on this on this cloister of islands, basically, and his magic is still present. So that causes some issues. If they know that, then you can get into, OK, now that you know that you are a part of this world, what does your character look like? And that's where session zero comes into play. I think sometimes you got to be careful, though, and. This is an expectation that you need to set for yourself as a DM. Session zero has to be like as fun as possible because you want people to come back, you know? Yes. And what I will typically do is we'll spend the first hour and a half to two hours going over characters. And then let's let's get into like an hour of play so that you guys can actually physically roll dice and, Mm -hmm. and enjoy yourself and see what the mechanics look like. And then after that, you know, all of your character can talk can happen offline. So... I think that that's what I'm bringing as a DM is I'm going to bring, I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. I'm going to give you snippets of the world. Um, I don't, I'm actually curious. Do you, do you outlaw anything in your games? I, I don't. I have not become experienced enough as a DM yet to know <laughs> what limits I should set. Pretty soon we're going to be able to put these on our resume too, which is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been, I know, I've read forums here, Reddit posts here and there, being like, this ability is broken and should not be allowed. This combination of class and subclass and species is that just should not be allowed at a table. I'm like, yeah, but I'd like to think I'm creative. And when given a problem such as that, I'll figure out a way to let the player feel OP and let them have that fun. But also, at some point, be like, oh, no, your thing is not as strong as it was previously because I homebrewed something. And 
you let me do it because you decided to choose this super powerful thing, which means I have to increase my homebrew power potential. Yeah, so, yeah. There's a little, you know, there's a little give and take. You know, there are plenty of monsters with immunity to magic that you can't just hit, <laughs> and you might come across them more often than not. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, I, exactly. I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's. If you are going to, oh, which I appreciate, you know, if you are going to do the research to figure out what the best sort of min max or like what is going to make your character feel capable in combat and things like that totally fine but you are you are absolutely giving me permission to bump the challenge rating up a tad you know yeah you know there's there is conversation of like super min maxi things like hadozis for uh hadozis for example there's a bunch of forums where you can see where they like have the ability if they jump and then hover and then just keep doing that they can go like a thousand feet or something which like okay mechanically that's i guess how it works but it it's stretching the realism at the table or like the fun at the table where now it's just okay now i'm just gonna hop and float and spread my wings 30 times in a row so that i can get to where i want to get and everybody at the table is just gonna be like not again yeah yeah i you waited 25 minutes for your turn for that you know (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so i think that's more where i'm going to probably start drawing limits but those things come out during play like you get into a combat somebody comes up with an idea and then you maybe let it slide once or twice and then you realize actually this is not conducive to good fun at the table for everybody yeah and if you feel that that you are as a player trying to craft those things, like uh, something that, that you might feel be a little much for the game or, or cause your player to just have broken abilities, you can also run it by your DM first. Like, I love that Sean asked about Silvery Barbs, you know, because yes. some people hate that spell. Some people really yes. think it throws off the entire... But if if he's going to come up with a creative way to use it, why not? You know, let's not limit the imagination of somebody using that spell because... Also, you know, you would hope that your players have the politeness to be like, well, I'm going to use it at the most opportune, like, piss you off moment and be like, uh, by the way, I cast Silvery Barbs. And you're like, all right, dude, like, you know, <laughs> like, again, it comes yeah. back to telling the story. Let the thing happen. Yeah, you know, if it's exactly. going to cause you to walk away from the table with this sense of, fuck, a week from now, we got to figure out what the hell this like thing is, you know. Sure. But don't let it ruin at the, the end game. of it. At the end of the day, you're at the table most likely with friends. Unless you're a professional DM or you're just finding games randomly online. There's no need for a weird sense of like hierarchy where you have to 100% run every little bit by the DM. But just giving that, like you said, politeness, be polite. Be like, hey, I think this is kind of super powerful. Are you good with this at the table? Like, I'm just checking in. Like, just that's fine you're friends like if you're if you're yeah. good friends then that's not going to get between you if it does then maybe you shouldn't be friends yeah 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 <laughs> if dnd is the thing that breaks your friendship boy do i have do i have a, another game for you <laughs> i mean i will say if you do want to test your friendship dnd is both good and bad for it because it can show you the weaknesses of the friendship but it can also show you the strengths so be warned 
have you ever played with people like like set up a one shot with people you didn't know like on roll 20 or anything like that i'm terrified yeah. of doing that. i don't want to do that at all because i'm afraid of running into that player who's like mm -hmm. i'm coming to this campaign and i built my sorcerer warlock so every time he short rests he gets his points back blah 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 you know all this and i and i have the, yeah. and then i'm like well i don't want to that's a lot of work for me man you know like i don't want to yeah. look all that stuff yeah. up but no have you ever done that i feel like no no i've thought about it i've thought about it uh i i worry about getting that player in quotation marks but i also worry as much as i've dm'd i'm very loose with the rules like i don't know them inside and out of my head I haven't read the Dungeon Master's Guide 30,000 times and have every page and spell memorized. I'm very much more trusting that my players will micromanage their characters and know the ins and outs of their abilities. And if something weird happens, I can double check. So I'm worried that if I was to do something like that online with complete strangers, I would just get torn apart by the party be like well actually that's not how it works and i don't understand why you're doing this and this is no 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 and then it would just turn into a weird lawyer session that would just not be fun and i could be completely wrong with that if anybody who's listening to this has had really good experiences with just random plays online definitely let us know and tell us where it was and give us a story i'd love to hear about it because i've actually never i've never talked to anybody that has done that so yeah, I, I would hope that the sort of general consensus is you are signing up for a random DM's story. Be like chill, you know, like come in, listen yep. to their rules and play and ask questions. Now, on the other side of things, do it's going to be a bad look for you if you set an online session up with randoms and you are a hardo because yep. odds are those people are not coming back, you know? Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean you didn't read the player's handbook before you joined? It's like, because it's 700 pages, dude. I'm not going to read <laughs> all of it. I only care about what a cleric can do. You know, like, um, but I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of that because I think those community forums sometimes have very, very interested people, you know? My general expectation as a DM is as long as you understand that we are rolling dice, mostly a D20, and I will be asking you to roll it randomly throughout the session to check if you can actually do stuff. As long as you're okay with that and you understand the premise of that, come to my table. Because expecting, especially new players, ex expecting a new player, somebody that you want them to get into Dungeons and Dragons, but they've never had the opportunity to, the less walls you put up, the more likely it is that they're going to stay. So if you can give them the handbook, the player's handbook to read. If they read it, if they skim it, if they read the first five pages, great. If they don't, great. That means that you can teach them the rules or whatever rules you have in your head, right? It's all about having fun. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a friggin' game. You know, like, don't yeah. don't make it like life or death. And if you if you don't know the rule, Google it. You know, I don't, I can't <laughs> tell you how often I Google conditions I'm like, what the hell does the oh, frightened yeah. condition do again? You know? yeah. I'm like, I know they're yeah. scared, but what else could like mechanically or or if somebody tries to do something and I mull it over a little too long, they'll be like, ah, you know what? I, I'm not going to try that because it's too convoluted. And I'll be like, yeah, try something else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I that's why in part, I think the tavern starting at a tavern and just like that you all know each other 
is not a good start because it puts so much pressure on the players to to push the story forward from the start. Which I think if you're going to do any sort of linear forced story as a DM anywhere, it should be at the start to kind of push character into places that you want them to start so that they kind of have a general sense of what do I know? Where am I? Why am I here? What does the world know about me? I've interacted with it in this way. And now I can take all that information as a player that the DM has given me from a narrative perspective that's specific to my character and use it to combine with the other characters, right? In a tavern setting, you don't have that. It's just, okay, you guys are there. So Stash just went to get a uh Stash just went to get a FedEx package. I just wanna I just wanna take this time, you know. I don't know if he can still hear me. Oh wait, he has his headphones on, I think, so he can still hear me. Stash, you're a fucking stud, dude. God damn. Mmm. That voice? Mmm. Mummy. Daddy. Oh, he didn't hear me. Great. What's up? Nothing. <laughs> Man, that uh, nothing's better than mid-recording when your wash and cure station for your minis gets delivered. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that's a giant-ass package. You was like, I thought it was just your resin. No, I got that earlier. But um, yeah, this is like a couple other things kind of all thrown into one box. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. What the hell were we talking about? <laughs> uh, taverns are bad. Uh, bad starts. <laughs> D&D's uh, too much work. Forget about it. It's, it's, so your friends are to, gonna hate it. <laughs> to give people an idea of the alternative to the tavern start that Stash and I have alluded to, I think that's the word. That's a big fancy word, right? Alluded. I think. I don't is, know. Is oh, don't ask me to spell. <laughs> One of the greatest happiest moments as a dm that i had is when i set out to try to create a more narrative driven introduction of characters and for all the listeners i think most of us know what minds the lost minds of fandelver is that module starts with not a tavern but it starts with a you're traveling together on a road having been assigned a quest to protect blah 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 and then it goes into goblin ambush attack and it's like Okay, we're on a wagon. It's like a Skyrim start, right? Basically. And hey, you're awake. <laughs> literally, yeah. And so the way I spun that is I took each of the three characters that were in the campaign. I took their kind of backstories. We started with Illisaren. Illisaren was Fae. Fae um, from the Fae world. Nature-minded. Loved nature. Really focused on that. Wanted to experience a material plane. So we said, okay, so we're going to put him in a forest setting near the site of the goblin ambush. There's going to be some mystical dark power that is overshadowing the entire campaign slash this first arc that we're in. We're going to slightly introduce that through this nature character. And we're going to have, we're going to give Stash and Elisarin some choices to kind of interact with this mystical dark power, nature, and have his little, what, it was like 10 minutes probably, 10, 15 minute maybe story, end with Illusarin at the site of the goblin ambush at some point in time. 
And then you cut over to another character. And this was Benabi, where I actually kept the original module story. Except now it was just Benabi. It wasn't all three characters. It was just Benabi. A Hadozi. Sp- like a Hadozi barbarian, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a Hadozi barbarian. Curious. We went through that. And that's where I put my foot as a DM down. And I was like, this is me pushing the story forward. You get in a goblin ambush. There's an ogre or something that shows up that's super strong, super powerful. It's just you. You get hit with a magical horn that whose sound makes everybody get knocked out. And Benabi blacks out. And he wakes up in a cage where the goblin ambush, where the goblins took everybody. Illyserin is now on top of the rocks where his perspective ended looking down at the people that were captured, one of them being Benabi. And then finally, we had our third character, Porcine, who is a man-pig barbarian, shows up at the site of the ambush after the ambush had already happened, sees that there's debris, sees that there's blood, sees that there's been an attack, and is led down the path to where the uh, goblins are holding their prisoners. And now, rather than a tavern, you have one, two, three different perspectives that meet in the same location. And now you give the characters ways to interact with each other in very interesting ways. And you let you give them that creative license because you set up a situation where they can be creative rather than... Uh, do you guys want to order some drinks? You want to order some ale, <laughs> I guess? Yeah. The worst thing you could do is if you have new players is 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 describe the setting and then be like, so what do you do? And they're like, what do you mean? What do we do? What can we do? <laughs> I mean, as a player, Stash. Yeah. Like as a player, how did you how did you feel about that? I thought it was great. I mean, it made sense. Right. Uh, everything behind the DM's quote unquote screen, uh, virtual or in person, like you just don't know. So like. If that encounter didn't go the way you thought or it was like kind of wonky, I don't know that, you know, I don't know. I don't know that that there was even a chance for the Hadozi barbarian to take on an ogre in an ambush. Like that's just simply not possible in this case. And, and that was great. And then, you, you know, with similar grace, you wrote in another player, I think in session yeah. two. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when when our buddy joined, so. I think that that was totally fine. And you know what? It made it more dynamic. There was a sense of urgency. There was a sense of, I need to collaborate with the other quote unquote speaking people in this party mm-hmm. that aren't NPCs. So let's, let's figure out how to do it. Right. And, and what, what was useful, I think in that specific situation is you put the pressure on one specific person so that the other people, so that, you know, in, in this case, I could make a choice and other people could react from it. Mm-hmm. And that is much better. You know, I guess in some ways you trusted me to do that, but also it, it, it takes the pressure off of everybody else. They see one person act, they go, oh, okay, I follow his lead. And I, I take my Warhammer and I strike the closest thing to me. Like <laughs> that's a lot better than being like, well, w- what is your, you're at a, you're at a bar. What do you do? And they're like, are there windows and you're like fucking yeah there's windows it's a tavern you know like, uh. i i remember that moment fondly because stash texted me after that first session this was our first session playing dungeons and dragons together with 
with Stash as well as this new crew of his friends. And I still remember this text message because you said they loved it. They said they can tell that you care about their characters. And to me as a DM, I was like, I'm good. I can stop. I can stop playing. Like <laughs> I've, I've, I've met my goal. Like if I can walk away from the table and have my players say that, that it feels like you're creating the story in such a way that you care about our characters. That's expectations met on my, on my part, at least that. Yeah. You know what? That, that is a great segue for a future episode and what it means <laughs> to be a DM and actually care about the, 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 the characters in your story. But as we sort of hit our mark here so that you hopefully have listened this far, thus far, uh, we want to say thanks again for everybody who's listened. Um, if you take a look on Spotify, there are polls that are available. We talked about possibly actually having playthroughs on this uh, on this show. So everybody who answered, we had a resounding yes. So in the future, look out for some sort of actual session playthrough. And to the one person who said no, well, you're the you're the ni- you're the tenth dentist, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but we will get into that and, and that'll be available. Uh, once again, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, because Google Podcasts is ending apparently next year. And apparently. you can find Carol at Mortal Ninja, M-A-W-R-T-A-L Ninja. You can find me at Stash and Co on all platforms, Twitch, Insta, Twitter, X, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, look out for next episode. Any any final things you want to say? Am I missing anything? It's September 30th when we're recording this. And I don't know if anybody knows, but happy International Podcast Day. We can say that now as <laughs> podcasters. This so, is my holiday. You know, we've, this is our holiday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, we deserve it. We've been live for like a week now. So <laughs> I made it, Ma. I made it. We could celebrate something for sure. Um, <laughs> But yeah, once again, thank you so much for listening. Um, we still don't have an outro, so. Uh, funny but... line. <laughs> Laugh, ha, ha, yeah. ha. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> Quick little excerpt <laughs> from the. <laughs> oh. oh, no.